say, come on back if you went to get your coffee or donuts or treat or bathroom break or whatever you just did, come on back in to your living room <clears throat> or wherever you are right now. Uh, let's, let's, come and, let's come and hear from the word of God, hear what God has to say to us today. Come on, he's already been speaking. Has, anyone, has he, he spoken to any of you so far? Come on, you can raise your hand in the comments or say he's speaking, he's, he's alive, he's doing something, I, I, whatever you want to say right now. But we just want to welcome you to church. I know you've already heard that many times, but my name's Evan, I'm the lead pastor here, and just so glad that you're here with us. If for the first time, we're glad you're here. If it's for the millionth time, we're glad you're here. Uh, we're just so happy to be doing church together. And um, I, I don't know if you noticed, but the, uh, today, uh, sometimes we got a little funky jam, and sometimes we got like a jammy funk. And uh, today, that two minutes was some, something, one of our worship guys uh, said it was silky. It was, today was all about being silky. Uh, but uh, we, we, part of that was really, I mention it because um, sometimes when we're doing church like this, uh, when we're doing our services like this, you, you maybe get the impression that, uh, you know, we get, we get in a room and we just go boom, 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 everything flies and happens and out the door we go. Uh, but but uh, we really believe that God moves in this room while, while I'm speaking and, and while I'm doing this, while we're recording, while the worship team's playing, we really believe that he's going to be moving in your living room or in your car or wherever you're listening to this at this point as well. Uh, but I, I, I just need to tell you that today God seems to be up to something. Uh, today, uh, we, when we came in here, we were wrestling with technical difficulties to start this day out. And uh, can we just give a big clap and thank you to our tech team uh, that continues to navigate, navigate new waters and, and all sorts of different things that we have to face and challenges that we have to walk through. Thank you, tech team. We love you so much, and we're, we're so happy to have you. And, and as, a, as a pastor, sometimes, like, when, both when we're doing it live with everyone in the room or, or sort of recorded moments, I can go, oh, no, uh, this, uh, my, my, you can feel your, uh, I don't know, we're just, I'm, we're humans, you know, we're humans that believe in a God that does great things, but we're also uh, humans that can go, ah, oh, man, if the text I'm not working or if this doesn't work, well, ah, oh, how's it going to all go? And then today, worship started happening and, uh, and, and as it was going, I was just, I, I was just undone by God today. Um, and, and I just feel like he has something for me today, for sure. But maybe he's got something for you today as well. And, um, and, and just because we're doing church the way that we're doing it, and just because uh, sort of the, the tightening up during COVID has lasted longer than any of us would want, and, and all of that's happening, doesn't mean that God isn't ready to move in your life. And so today I feel like, I, like God has already moved in my life and is going to move some more in my life. And I just really believe that for you. And so if you just open up your heart, he's ready to move uh, in you. And I just want to give a little, a little shout out as well to the worship team and to the tech teams. And, and maybe some of you out there are saying, man, I really want to know how I can serve the church and get involved. And uh, we have
have vision. We're excited for, we're starting to build towards whenever we get to be open fully again and where we're going to go and how we're going to get there and what God plans on doing with us at that time. And so we're praying for it. We believe God's stirring up our hearts for it. And so we want to start building towards it. We've got a, we've got a really healthy internship going right now. We've got a really healthy vintage discipleship program going on right now. Our staff is feeling really strong and excited and passionate, and we want to continue to build this, this worship team and our tech team so we can launch further and greater that, that when we would come out of COVID fully and when we're fully back to gathering, whatever that's going to look like on the other side of this, that we would just be experiencing more life than we've ever known, that, than we ever could have known if we hadn't walked through this together. Amen? believe for it. So if you want to be more involved, there are ways for you to get involved. Uh, jump in with us this week.engate.ca. We're walking through a series called The Baptizer. And that's probably the second last time that you get to see John the Baptizer running through the woods uh, of the Comox Valley, and so uh, hold on to that. Hold on to that one. Uh, make sure may, maybe n next week you need to screen record so you can hold on to that for a little longer. I don't know, but we we we're in week five of the baptizer, and we're looking at the story of John the baptizer. And I just told uh, a friend, actually a friend that many of you would know, Pastor Allen. Uh, I was chatting with, with him uh, this last week. I said, it's, pretty, it's been really fun to dig in with uh, John the Baptist and look at him. So I don't feel like I've had a lot of people in my life stop and really look at John the Baptist. And he sends me a video that, that week. He goes, watching a vid video, John the someone's preaching on John the Baptist. I guess other people do it if you're not that original. Uh, but anyways, we love you. You, Alan and Bernine, sometimes you're with us uh, still on, on our uh, Sunday services, and so we're so glad that you're with us. But we've been looking at John, and John is in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that every gospel writer wants to write him into Jesus' story because he pointed to Jesus. The first week we talked about his call that came before he was ever born. God already had a plan for his life, that he was going to be someone who would turn the hearts of Israel to God. Then, then the second week we talked about his life, that John decided that God had such a call in his life that he had to live a life worthy of that call. And so instead of just doing what everyone else did and, and, and living the exact same uh, life that everyone else did, he started to find himself pulling away to the wilderness and, and discovering quiet times and discovering where he needed to go to hear the voice of God and live a life worthy of the calling that he had, which led to him living in the wilderness and with camel hair and eating honey and locusts in his life. The third week we talked about his message. And his message was, just so everyone knows, we've all failed. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But good news, he's got an opportunity for us to reconnect with him through repentance. That was a huge week. We had an amazing time in that week. And then uh, last week, we talked about influence. That John was out there, really no reason for him to be gaining influence. There he is, uh, like in, in a very, uh, you know, not a common outfit for that time nor this time, and, and speaking a message of judgment and repentance, and in that space, people are coming out, he's becoming popular, but everyone who comes to him and says, who are you? What are you? Tell us all the great things about you. We already know we love you, but why do we love you? And he just kept saying, no, 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 it's not about me at all. It's about the one who's yet to come. 
So last week, we, we, we ended off there. I wanted to kind of jump into that again for a second because it really gives us a good picture of what God, I believe, wants to do this week. John 1.27, this is, this is John speaking. It says, he is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So last week we talked about that. John would say of himself, I'm not even worthy to touch the feet of the one who's yet to come. I'm not even worthy to touch the, uh, touch, touch the sandals. I mean, like, I, not let alone his hands or like his face. His feet, I can't even touch his feet. He is too good. He is too pure for me to even do that. And then last week we ended on this idea that John was speaking also in John 3, 29 to 30. It says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. If you're just tuning in with us, you're like, why are you talking about weddings? In the, in the Bible, often the church, the people of, of Jesus were described as the bride and that Jesus was the groom and, and, and they, they, would, they would come together. We were being beautified and, and, and created and, and made and loved so dearly and deeply to be in this committed and amazing eternal relationship with Jesus. And so uh, people were saying to John, John, who are you? Like, you the Messiah? You, 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 what are you doing? Like, and, and people even started hearing that about Jesus. And some of John's disciples were hearing about Jesus and going to Jesus and leaving John. And they're like, aren't you mad? Aren't you going to do something about this, John? Aren't you going to try to get them all back and, 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 and make your disciples your disciples again? And John said, actually, no, the bride, in other words, all of these people, they actually belong to Jesus. The friend who attends the bridegroom, he's describing himself, waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. In other words, he's saying, Jesus came and now I have no more purpose here than a best man would have at a wedding. It's not about me anymore. If it ever was, it's not anymore. Last week, we, uh, when we wrapped up with that chunk of scripture, um, we, we, there was, it just found like, felt like a profound moment for me. We had a really cool time with, our, with uh, the team that, that is here on a, uh, when, we, when we record the service, and we spent some time praying and just recognizing, man, imagine that our lives are, yeah, they've got some value, but only in creating the scene and creating the space, because when the bride and groom come in, we don't have that role anymore. We're, we're, we don't, it's, and now it's just go. It's all about them, and we look to them, and we watch them. I was at a wedding with Kendall uh, a few, few years back, probably a couple of years ago, and uh, this was a really cool wedding for us. It was one from uh, one of the youth um, that I was a youth pastor for when I was in Victoria. He was getting married and he invited us. And we're like, what? This, yes, like we, we, we just love that. We feel like we've invested and taken some time and that they still remember us and want us to be part of that significant moment. Always feels like really honoring and really special. We're like, yeah, of course, this is gonna be cool. So we went to this wedding, a beautiful wedding. Uh, just, a, just a really special couple and uh, we kind Come into the reception. It's in this sort of backspace, cool barn sort of facility. Amazing food, lights just strung so incredibly. Loads of people uh, in there, and I'm like really amazing people. Like there's people, other pastors and leaders, and really cool people that I know. And I'm like, this is awesome, just being a part of this experience with these guys. I love this moment. Everyone's talking about how great the food is, and 
And it, just, it was just really good. They're, they're a Finnish family. He's a Finnish family. He's got people who have come from Finland. Imagine that, airplanes and traveling. <laughs> what a concept. But uh, people are coming from Finland, and, and they're showing up. Like, just a cool experience to be a part of. And no one, like, in that moment, you, when you're at a wedding like that, and it's that cool, you just feel like, I can't believe I get to be a part of this. Like, I love that I get to be here and eat this kind of food and experience this kind of a culture and be with these people. Like, this is so awesome. And so then speeches happen, and uh, different people are pouring their love onto the bride and groom, the, the, the groomsmen and the uh, bridesmaids and the moms and the dads and all this, just pouring out their love on the bride and groom, which is the appropriate thing to do at a wedding. No one's trying to look around the room and figure out who's the important people. It just, it's about the bride and the groom, and then the bride and the groom, they get up to do their speech. And they, they go ahead and do what normally happens, and, and uh, you know, uh, John, Jonathan is actually the, the groom's name, and Jonathan starts into, into his speech, and he thanks his parents, and his, his now parents-in-law, and a few other folks, and, and people, and then he just starts, starts crying. And we're all just watching, like, why, why is he crying now? He's already thanked his parents and already thanked those people, and, you know. But he just starts crying, and, and he's, he, like, he, can't, he can't contain himself. He was, he was so moved, and his wife, his now new wife, is rubbing his back and trying. And he says, I knew this one was going to be hard. And um, he's, as he's sitting there, he's just, he just cries. He just, he just, this, this is hard, and he keeps sort of turning around and doing this. And we're like, what is going on? And then he eventually says, Evan, says my name. And I was like, what? This, this guy is someone that I've, my very first youth event when I was a brand new youth pastor, I tried to build this special event, invite all the youth that I knew. It was gonna be awesome, and uh, it turned out one person came. That was this one person, Jonathan. He came out, I remember that time, instead of going for a hike, we hit up taco time, <laughs> which was delicious, by the way. And uh, we, we just chatted and shared about his summer and things, and, and all of a sudden, ministry started because this was an influential guy. All of a sudden, people started coming out. We started building youth ministry together. It was a really a cool experience. Uh, I, I knew Jonathan, I loved him, but you, you just never know what your life means until, until a moment like that. You sort of think you've invested in someone, but I, I was at a wedding celebrating him. I was looking to him and his wife, and everyone else was looking to him and his wife, and it would have been right for him just to talk about a few people, but then continue to just be celebrated himself. But for some reason in that moment, he decided to point, point the attention back to me and he's crying and saying, Evan, you have no idea what you meant to my life. You said all these incredible things for me. I just could not believe anyone was doing that. I felt, I don't know if I've ever felt so honored in my life. Because in that moment, no one needed to look to me. No one in the room needed to look to me, especially not the groom. A cool thing is, I believe Jesus kind of does this with us. 
Because uh, John here says, no, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. John here says, uh, uh, it, when, 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 when Jesus shows up, like it's, it's all done. I'm just, a, I'm just a best man. I'm just getting the space ready. Once he comes, don't look to me anymore. Look to him. Everyone's attention actually does start to go to Jesus. He shows up and says, everyone's like, whoa, this is the one? This is the Lamb of God? This is the Messiah? This is the one we've waited for? Wow, everyone's attention is shifting. But then Jesus, and he could have gone and gotten baptized anywhere he wanted. He could have gone and done anything that he wanted as he started out his ministry, but he decides to go back to John. John, who was only there to point to Jesus, now Jesus, who all the attention is on, comes back to John. See, sometimes we think that all we do is point to Jesus and point to Jesus and point to Jesus, and sometimes we get the impression that that's a one-way street, that all we do is love God, and we love Jesus, and we love him, and we pour ourselves out to him, and we do that, and we do that, and we do that, and we do that, and that's what the Christian life is all about, and then once in a while, we catch a glimpse and realize that Jesus is actually looking back to us and the only reason we ever loved him in the first place is because he loved us first and he's amazed with us and the most famous person in the room, the most famous person in all creation, the most famous person in all of history, when everyone looks to them, you all of a sudden realize that he's also looking at you. He sees you and how much he loves you and how impressed he is with you and proud he is of you and how worthy you are. It's an amazing moment. Because Matthew 3, 13 to 16 says, then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan, some couple hundred kilometers to be baptized by John. Remember, we're just finishing off John saying, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. We're just finishing off John saying, I must decrease that he might, might increase. And jo Jesus goes, I'm gonna travel a long way so I can get not to some baptizer, but so I can get to John. Up until that point, he was probably John a baptizer. In that moment, he becomes John the baptizer. This is his moment. It says, but John tried to deter him saying, no, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Can you imagine the moment? John's baptizing people, looks up, like, what? There he is. And Jesus sort of walks on over and maybe wades into the water a little bit. I don't know exactly the whole scene. And, and, uh, and John is like, everybody, everybody, this is the one. He is here. Wherever he goes, follow him. I don't, I don't matter anymore. You don't need me anymore. You've been coming. This is the one I've been talking about. And Jesus is like, hey, John. And John's like, whoa, I can't believe it. You're here. And John, Jesus is like, yeah, John, and I just quickly need to get baptized by you. And there's, oh, we can talk for a long time about why you needed to get baptized and the temptations that fall and all the stuff that happened. That's another sermon series for another time. But I want you to imagine yourself in John's shoes. Because John then's like, uh, <clears throat> Jesus, we better talk in private for a second. Come here. See, I've been telling all these people that I'm not worthy to even touch you. And that I baptize with water, but you're gonna baptize with fire. So, uh, this is gonna be pretty weird because they all know that I'm not worthy to baptize you. See, Jesus, before he started his earthly ministry that was about to take place, the very first person that he goes to is John the baptizer. 
the very first act that he does is show someone who's unworthy that they are going to do things that they are unworthy to do because Jesus says they can. And this is gonna be the history of Jesus. This is gonna be the story that he lives out on earth and it's gonna be the story that we get to live out for the rest of history, that we get to carry it out from now on. And I really believe that that's a message that you need to hear today. In fact, today I was undone in worship and I felt like, God, you are, I, I felt completely, honestly, I felt completely unworthy today. I felt just so, like what right do I have to speak today? What right does, do I have to have anyone listen to me today? I just didn't feel like, I just didn't feel like, I didn't know what, what, if I was worthy or capable or could get a message across or if anyone could hear it or all, any of that. And God just started hitting me over and over. Evan, it was never your worthiness that gave you the calling. It was never your worthiness that was going to rise you up in ministry. It was never what you could do, what you were capable of. It was the fact that you were unworthy and yet I still showed up to you and said, I love you and in empowering you and believe for great things for your life and you're going to do greater things than me. See, last week John was saying, I must decrease, he must increase. And we think, what does that mean? I'll just decrease and somewhere over there he's going to increase. What does it actually mean for God to increase? Have you ever thought of that? Oh, uh, like become bigger? Like become smarter? No. He's infinite, he's massive, he's not gonna get any smarter, he's not gonna get any stronger, he's not gonna get any more. All that our decreasing does is allows him to become more in us. Not just more somewhere else. God, don't worry, I'm gonna decrease and so you can probably gain some muscles and then go do something with it. No, we decrease so that we've made room for him to increase in us. Now, God, you got some room to work. I keep emptying myself, and you just keep filling me with more, and I'm gaining the strength that I thought you would use somewhere else. So John's like, "Mm, Jesus, we should probably talk about this. I'm pretty unworthy. And Jesus replied, John, let it be so now. (laughs) I like that. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. We could talk about that another time. Then John consented. Yeah, you better, John. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. Hello. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, I don't know if you've ever considered this moment. Sometimes when I think of the Bible, I like to actually put myself in the moment and imagine what's going on. Now, Jesus, if you've ever seen someone baptized, he's probably like this. Maybe he's plugging his nose. Now, he's probably got better technique than that. But anyways, here he is submitting himself to his friend John. Like, you're in a pretty, when you get baptized, like, there's some power in the pastor's hand in that moment. It's like, okay, you're going down. Hope I bring you up. Bye. <laughs> you know, and, and you never know what can happen. Jesus is like, John, I'm going. And heaven opens up and John is holding Jesus. Can you imagine that moment? John, I know you're not Jesus and you're not the Messiah, but when heaven opens up and confirms that Jesus is God in flesh here amongst us, you will be the one holding him. <laughs> That's a cool moment. See, our humility, our emptying of ourselves, our weakening of ourselves was never to leave us weak and broken 
Sometimes I think that as Christians, people think that the greatest discipline that they can offer to God is that just like, I'll just mope around the earth, and then if I mope around the earth, then people will know that I must be a Christian. I'm weak, and I'm tired, and I'm broken, so God's gonna have to be the strength somewhere on the planet, because I can do nothing. I like what C.S. Lewis says about this. He says, do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man or woman, that he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy, smarmy, wish I made that one up, smarmy person who is always telling you that of course he is nobody. (laughs) John tries that on Jesus. Oh, I'm nobody, Jesus. Better find somebody else. Probably all you will think about him or her, that this person who is humble, C.S. Lewis says, is that he seems cheerful and intelligent chap, who, chap is also a good one, who took a real interest in what you said to him. <laughs> what does humility look like? What does like, that weakness or meekness in our, in our earth and as a Christian look like? Does it look like, a, hey, I'm nobody and I can't do anything and I'm so weak and I'm just not worthy of anything and once Jesus shows up, just go to him because I've got nothing to offer. No, he says, actually, they're pretty bright and cheery and, and they're happy and they're actually taking interest in your life. He says, if you do dis- dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. <laughs> he will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. See, us becoming less so Jesus could become more is not just us becoming less. End of discussion. It's us concerning ourself with ourself less so that the concerns that God wants us to concern ourselves with can all of a sudden rise up in us. It's us using our own strength less so that the strength that God wants to give to us can start rising up in us. It's us concerning ourselves with all the things, all the fears and anxieties and stresses and overwhelming situations in our life a little bit less so that we can start to take on the peace and the thanksgiving that Jesus has for us in everyday life that we can walk out. It's, it's us uh, feeling a little less bogged down by the weight of the world because we know who's in control of it and it's allowing some of our fear and our, and, and our just general worries, our general distractions to kind of intentionally become less so that we can walk in more happiness and joy and freedom because of who Jesus is in our life. He doesn't leave us and just say, good, you're less, awesome, now I'm really God. It's not just when we're weak that we point to Jesus. It's when we're strengthened by him that we point to Jesus when all of a sudden we walk in a supernatural power that he gains life through us. Worship team, you can come on up. James 4.10 says this, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Not just about humble yourself before the Lord, it's about he will lift you up. Does that matter? Yes, why? Because if you just humble yourself before the Lord, everyone's gonna be like, Christianity looks really drab and painful and and no one likes it, but instead, if you're walking in circumstances that should be really hard and for some reason you've got a levity about you and a bit of a hop in your step, people are gonna look and say, now what in the world is going on with that person? Why do they seem okay even though the world is against them in this situation. 
God doesn't want to just leave us all down. He wants to lift us up. 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. See, we, we can't know the comfort without mourning. We can't know the healing without sickness. We can't know the life without, without, without death. We can't know the freedom without slavery. We can't know those things. So should we just live in slavery? Should we just live in sickness? Should we just live in sadness and brokenness and grief and, and constantly weighted down because that's how I become less in my life? No. We want to then open ourselves up to say, God, I am broken now. I am worn out now. I am tired now. I am poor now. I am sick now. I am hopeless now. Now's the time when your strength is going to look really good because my testimony up until this point is that I'm not worthy and I'm not good enough and I don't have enough power and I don't have enough money and I don't have enough influence. So when all of a sudden you show up in my life and I do, people are going to talk. John the Baptist like, I just told them I'm not worthy. And he says, yeah, but then I showed up and I, told, I showed them that your unworthiness was nothing compared to the grace I have for your life. Yeah, I believe that there's some Christians listening to this right now who've decided that their unworthiness is gonna keep them from the work that God wants to do in their life. I'm not, I, I need to tell you, stop that. You're pulling Jesus over like, hey, Jesus, um, Actually, I know you got that call in my life and you've been asking me to do that thing, but uh, there's a few things that people know about me. So I don't know about that. And Jesus is like, isn't that great? That people are gonna see all the incredible things that you do and they're gonna know that that can happen in someone as worth unworthy as you, as unable as you, as incompetent as you, as broken and lost and worn out as you. Isn't it going to be great that Jesus is going to be given the glory for lifting you out of the ashes and lifting you out of the grave and lifting you out of death and lifting you out of brokenness and despair and that overwhelm that you lived in? Isn't that going to be great? when John's sitting here saying, I'm going to become less and he's going to become more, Jesus says, yeah, 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 great. Now, let me lift you up, John. Because it's not just about you loving me and doing all these things for me. I also love you, John. Last verse. Jesus, the last supper with his disciples, says, okay, everyone, you now know I'm God. You've admitted that I'm powerful. You've admitted that I'm incredible and you know how worthy I am of worship. You've seen me walk on water, seen me do miracles, cast out demons, heal people. You've seen it all. Now, one more thing I want to do. I want to wash your feet. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? <laughs> Just picture Jesus like he's got like a rag and water and taking off his sandals like, ah, yeah. <laughs> exactly what I'm going to do, Peter. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. See, there's two things that causes, causes Jesus to come and meet us in our brokenness and our, our worn out. First of all, you got to have dirt in your life. You got to have some dirtiness. You got to have some dirty feet. Jesus isn't going to come and be like, okay, time to wash your feet. And Peter's like, oh, I just had a pedicure. 
I'm good. Look at my feet are really nice and moisturized already. Let's leave those alone. No, they're me a mess. They're dirty. It's ugly. If you go, like, I've got some dirt in my life. Good news. Jesus comes with a towel and wants to wash off your dirt. It's just mind-blowing. But Peter goes, no, 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 no. Yeah, I know my feet are dirty, but you're not touching them. Jesus says this, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. You need to hear this today. It is not your cleanliness that makes you part of what Jesus is doing. It is his cleaning of you that makes you part of what Jesus is doing. It was not John's worthiness that caused him to be such a big, big moment with Jesus. It was Jesus choosing John and John just giving in and letting, accepting the call. So today maybe you say, I'm too dirty. I'm not like the rest of them, I, I, I've, got, I've got some baggage. I've got some background. Here's the great news. It's, it's, there are no sinless people anywhere. <laughs> Certainly not on this stage. And those who have been cleaned by Jesus couldn't have cleaned themselves, didn't clean themselves, never were clean on their own, couldn't have looked after themselves. Those who have been thoroughly rinsed and washed and cleaned by Jesus stand on this stage. That is the only thing that we have to offer him is our dirt. All we have to offer Jesus is our unworthiness. And if we will offer him our unworthiness and allow him to lift us up out of the ashes, set us wherever it is he wants to set us, if it is that we want to allow, offer him our death, so that he can give us life, offer him our sickness so that he can give us health. If we will offer him those things, we will start to see Jesus moving in our lives. So you don't get to offer, John's greatest offering to Jesus was not dressing in camel hair, was not eating grasshoppers and honey, not doing all that, was not baptizing all those people, or leading all those people to Jesus. That was not the greatest offering that John could give to Jesus. The greatest offering John could give to Jesus was to allow Jesus to work in him even when he was completely unworthy to do it. And so if today you say, I want, I want to give Jesus my unworthiness, He's ready. So first, you have to confess you have unworthiness. Second, you have to say, Jesus, I trust that in the midst of it, you can clean me and use me and empower me for great purposes. If that's you today, just open up your heart so that he can, he can, he can just come right on in, start cleaning even right now. Maybe if you're in a space where you can, you can repeat after me. Jesus, I am unworthy. Sometimes I think my worthiness is what you want. But I'm learning now that what you want is honesty. <laughs> What you want is my unworthiness. 
What you want is my mourning, my pain, my brokenness, my fears. So I give them to you, Jesus, so that in the midst of being dirty, broken, and unworthy, I would start to know your washing and your empowering. Thank you, Jesus, that when I point to you, I see that you're coming to me. I receive your love today, Jesus. Thank you for it. Amen.